I want you to be encouraged. This month, that's what we've been talking about. We want, the Lord said, let's encourage each other. Let's lift each other up. And as I was praying about this Sunday, I believe the, word, the Lord gave me a specific word, a right now word, um, something he's wanting to do, not just for us collectively as a fellowship. Uh, I believe this is a word he's probably speaking to other congregations today. Uh, but, but for the purpose of us, I think he's wanting us to receive this collectively. I think he wants us to receive it per our households. I also think he wants us to receive it individually. Uh, for, those, for those of you who are trying to seek the will of God, I love the fact that we sung the song Pieces. He doesn't want to just give us portions of himself. He's trying to bless us with all of himself. And, and we talked about it last week, the power of being at one with God, that the Holy Spirit makes us one with God. You've got the power of the entire creative universe that, that he spoke into existence, the same spirit, the same power that rose Christ from the dead, quickens our mortal body, empowers us. You know, Jesus said, greater things than these will you do, you know? Uh, he, he said, look, you're going to have a bigger impact than I had. There's more of you guys. And you got the same power. You're going to be filled with the same power I had. That's what he's trying to get across. So I want to encourage you today. Where are you looking? I want you to look up. Look up. You don't have to look up right now and count. I used to do that when I was a kid in church. I used to count ceiling tiles. <laughs> if I see you guys counting, I know I'm, I'm boring you. So, <laughs> uh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you got to move on to the chandelier bulbs. How many? How many bulbs are in each chandelier? Well, I could tell you anything about it. if it, if it was uh, up on the roof of the church, the ceiling of the church. I could have told you about it when I was a kid. But I want you to look up. The eye, the Lord is wanting you to get your eyes up. Sometimes we go through things, and man, it's easy to get keep our eyes down and be downtrodden and be in the middle of all the muck and mire and all the mess that's going on around us and the mess that's on the TV and the mess that's in our families and the mess that's you know, on our jobs, all that stuff. But the Lord is saying, I want you to look up. Matter of fact, I love this prayer that Paul has. And I believe this is the, the Lord led me straightway to this scripture this week. And, and I believe he's speaking this to us, okay? So I want you to understand that he says, this is the prayer. For I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the father of glory, that he may grant you a spirit. In other words, a disposition, a mindset, a presence, a spirit of wisdom. Woo, wouldn't you want some wisdom today? Anyone need some wisdom? He said, I'm praying that your whole demeanor reflects wisdom and revelation. In other words, some things need to be revealed. Some things need to be understood in your life. I'm praying that he gives you a spirit of wisdom and revelation of insight into mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of him. Let's stop there for a second. I believe that God is wanting to open some of your eyes to some things that are going on around you to where you no longer ask the question of why. Why is this happening to me? But, oh, what are you up to, God? <laughs> what is it that you are trying to evolve me into? What am I to gain and how am I to grow from these circumstances, from this situation? The Lord is going to reveal. Wouldn't it be nice for the Lord to pull the curtain away so you can see what's happening behind the scenes? Now, we just got through singing about it and said, Woo, glory, yeah, praise God. You don't give, you don't give your heart in pieces. 
Yet when it comes time to, well, I, you know, the Lord's a mystery. God, the Lord works in mysterious ways, you know. Well, he said, look, I want to clue you in on it because I want you to understand some things. God's saying, I, I want to reveal, I want you to have some wisdom and I want to reveal some things, some hidden things, things that are happening behind the curtain. You know, wouldn't it be great for the Lord to rip the curtain off and, you know, of the wizard? You, know, you remember Wizard of Oz, right? The great grand wizard, all of a sudden you pull the curtain back and you're like, oh, it's just that old guy pulling levers. Ignore the man behind the curtain. That's what he's wanting to do in your life is to reveal how the enemy is working. Reveal what's taking place isn't really happening to you, but perhaps happening for you, right? Verse 18, this is, this is how he's going to reveal some things to you. And I want you to get this. By having the eyes of your heart flooded with light. Notice he said the eyes of your heart. He didn't say the eyes of your head or the eyes of your mind. But the eyes of your heart, what's significant about that? Because that's where we are to have faith. The Bible says to believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart, not believe in your head. Why? Because your head's going to try to rationalize some things. Your head will always, your brain will always try to talk you out of it. I don't know if that was God or not. I don't, how many times have you ever felt a tugging in your heart? Ooh, I need to go pray for someone. Or I need to go share this with someone. And then before you, if you wait long enough, your brain's like, eh, I don't know if that was God. Was that really God? They may think I'm stupid. They may think I'm weird. They're going to look at me weird. What if I'm wrong? What if I didn't really hear from God? In other words, don't believe with your brain. You got to believe that faith comes from your heart. Faith comes from the very place that you feel things. You believe with your heart. He said, and I want the eyes of your heart. Where out of your heart is a wellspring of life, the Bible said. That's why he said to guard it. He said, I'm going to flood the eyes of your heart with light. All of a sudden, you're going to be able to see what's going on. The lights get turned on. That's why this is happening. That's what you're up to, God. That's the direction you want me to go. That's why so-and-so responded the way they did. That's why I'm being moved into this position or out of that position. That's what's going on. Why? So that you can walk in faith. The very place that you are to birth faith in your life, he's going to flood it with light so that you can know and understand the hope which he has called you to. Now, we're not just talking about the sweet by and by. Oh, he's called me to be able to go to heaven. Well, that's, that'll all take care of itself. But the hope he's called you to right now so that you can know and understand that and how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints or his set apart ones. You're part of his rich inheritance. And so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength. In other words, he's saying, I'm going to flood the eyes of your heart, the very place that you should have faith. I'm going to flood it with light so that you can understand how immeasurable and how awesome, how great my power is, not just for you. I'm not just working on your behalf, but notice he says, I'm working in you. He's going to flood the very eyes of your heart so that you can see, you can understand how great and powerful he is in you. 
And if he's in you, you get to walk around in that power, in that greatness, in that immeasurable uh, uh, power to overcome anything that you're facing in life. And if you understood the power that is contained in you via the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't have to panic in situations. You wouldn't have to get discouraged. You wouldn't have to get down. You wouldn't have to get frustrated. You wouldn't have to deal with anxiety. Why? Because I, the eyes of my faith, where my faith, are about, the, the eye, those eyes have been flooded with so much light and revelation. And now I understand exactly who he is, not just for me, but who he is in me and through me. He's one to open some of our eyes today. That was a specific word he gave me this week. So Dave, I'm one to open the eyes of my people so they can understand who they are in me and they can become all the more victorious and operate with me in them, as them, and through them, Right? He wants to show you some hidden things. He doesn't want you to have to walk around and say, oh, the Lord works in mysterious ways. It doesn't have to be a mystery to you. Jeremiah 33 and 3 says this, call to me and I will answer you and show you. He's going to reveal something. I want to show you great and mighty things, fenced in and hidden, which you do not know. In other words, that you don't distinguish and don't even recognize or have knowledge or understanding of. He's going to reveal some hidden things to you. Someone hear this today. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know where you're heading. I don't know what you're dealing with, what you're trying to balance. But God is trying to say, I'm about to reveal to you what's taking place behind the scene so that you can walk in faith, you can have courage, and so that you can be whole and not waste time freaking out and panicking. Y'all still with me? If you're with me, say amen. amen. If you're not with me, say oh me. <laughs> oh, Paul, I knew, I knew Paul. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I've been spending time visiting with Paul. You got to watch out for this man, I'm telling you. <laughs> See, no, like she's not believing a word you're saying, Paul. Just leave it. <laughs> it was his birthday. He told me he was 52. There you go. That's what you told me. <laughs> Genesis 13, 14. I want you to see this. How, what's, what's taking place? The, the Lord took me to the scripture and showed me something I had never seen before. All the times I've read this story, it, it never occurred to me. The Lord said to Abram, now this, just to give you a little bit of uh, backstory, this is where Abram and Lot were traveling, uh, going, you know, kind of mapping out what would eventually be the promised land. And Lot's men and Abram's men, who were tending to all their livestock, started quarreling because their livestock, was, everything was being so blessed, they were running out of room to graze. And they kept overlapping into each other's fields. And so their men were quarreling. And so Lot and Abram got together. And Abram, now Lot was Abram's nephew. Abram didn't have any kids of his own. Sarah wasn't able to have kids. So more than likely, he saw Lot as kind of his own son. He was helping to raise him. And this was probably the guy who was going to get all of his inheritance, right? 
when he passed, oh, I'll leave it all to Lot. He's the closest thing I have to a son. Well, finally they said, look, you know, it's, there's no sense in there being war between our two camps. So Lot, why don't you choose to go one direction? I'll go the opposite direction. And Lot said, okay. And he started setting up his tents heading towards Sodom. He said, I'm going to head that way. It looks really lush and green. Now, you can understand Abram was probably just disappointed because this is the closest thing to a son that he had. And they're on this journey, faith journey with God. Now I don't even have a son to leave my inheritance to. He had no clue what God had in store. God had not spoken to him quite yet to promise him uh, the seed would come through his wife, Sarah. And, and, and we, we know all that incredible story of faith. So here Abraham, Abram was probably frustrated or disappointed. And I love, I love what, what God says. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had left him, lift, now, lift up now your eyes. In other words, look up, look up. Don't look down, don't be sure, look up. L lift up now your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which you see, I will give to you and to your posterity forever. Now, understand, so he said, look, I want you to look up from right where you're at, right in the middle of your circumstances, right in the middle of your trial, right in the middle of your disappointment, right in the middle of your loss, right in the middle of your frustration, anger. Look up from there. Look up and look all around you. I'm about to give you dominion over everything you see. For you, now understand, he thought, man, I, I just lost Lot. Who am I going to leave my inheritance to? Matter of fact, at one place, he said, God, all I have, I've got this servant. I can leave it to my servant. He's the closest thing to family I got. But God said, no, look up from where you're at. Right in the midst of your disappointment, look up and look all around you. I'm going to give you everything you see, not only for you, but for your posterity, for your, for your kids and your grandkids. God's trying to speak a word into them. He starts giving them a hint and a clue as to what he's going to do in his life right then and there, right in the midst of his hardship, right? Now, this is what, this is what I thought was really cool. Uh, of course, the, the, the name Abram means uh, great father, right? God eventually would make a covenant with Abraham, place his name, Hashem, with Abram, Abram's name. He would change his name to Abraham, which means father of multitudes, so he went from just being called good father to father of multitudes. And he is. Why? Because he is the father of not only a nation, but he's the father of all of us through faith because he taught us how to have faith. We are to have faith like Abraham. When nothing else makes sense, when even nature itself says something different than what God's word, you still believe God's word. That's, that's faith. So that's what Abram means. Now Lot... I never realized this. Lot or lot is how you would say it in Hebrew. Lot means a, a veil or a mask. That's what the word, the, the name lot means. So what the Lord showed me is I had to remove the veil or the mask from Abraham just so he could be, look up and see everything I had promised him. 
And that's what God is wanting to do for some of your hearts. You have veiled it and masked it with disappointment. You have veiled it and masked it by the words people have spoken over you. I don't know what your veil or your mask for the point of your faith would be. But today, God is saying, I will remove that veil, that mask from the place of your faith so that you can start seeing everything I have prepared for you, everything I have promised for you. And not only that, I want to multiply you. I want to make you bigger than what you are. In other words, a spiritual posterity to make you more effective than you've ever been in your faith journey. I'd never seen that before. But before Abraham could look up and see the promise of God, he had to remove his lot or his veil from off of him. Veils are nasty things. Veils won't allow you to see truth. Veils will distort everything you see in the world. Moses is prime example of that. You guys remember Moses when he came off the mountain after he was given the law, the Bible says his face was shining so bright with glory that he put a, he put a veil over it because people couldn't hardly even look at his face. So he put a veil over it. He was never, God never told him to put a veil over it. And the problem was that glory, that shininess faded eventually. But Abram and his pride, or Moses and his pride left the veil on his face because he didn't want people to know. He was embarrassed that, oh man, the glory's not showing. But he did a huge injustice to the people of Israel because everything in the Old Testament is supposed to be a model for the new covenant with Christ and also for the church. And it was to model to the people of Israel that that first covenant of the law was a fading glory. It was only gonna be good for a while. And then God was gonna let the glory of it fade so that he could birth this new everlasting covenant in Christ Jesus. But because that model was ruined, the Bible says that the people of Israel to this day still have a veil over their face, over their hearts, that they can't, there's, there's, they can't even comprehend Christ. They don't understand this new covenant. Matter of fact, uh, Paul writes about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, starting with verse 12, says, since we have such glorious hope, such joyful and confident expectation, we speak very freely and openly and fearlessly. Nor do we act like Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze upon the finish of the vanishing splendor which had been upon it. In other words, so he put a veil on his face so that the Israelites wouldn't see the fact that it was fading, right? Verse 14, in fact, their minds were grown hard and calloused they became dull and had lost the power of understanding. Woo, sounds like a lot of Christians, doesn't it? For until this present day, when the Old Testament or the Old Covenant is being read, up until this day, when the Old Covenant or the Law of Moses is being talked about, that same veil still lies on their hearts, not being lifted to reveal that in Christ it is made void and done away with. That's why, that's why even to this day, there's a lot of Orthodox Jews that can't comprehend this covenant with Christ. Paul's laying it at the feet of Moses. He says, yes, down to this very day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies upon their minds and hearts. 
But whenever a person turns in repentance to the Lord, in other words, when you allow Jesus Christ to be Lord, King, Boss, you submit all your rights to him. Not just, ooh, I believe that Jesus is my savior. Well, we all want a savior, but do you believe that he is Lord of your life? In other words, have you submitted every area of your life? Lord, if you want it here, keep it here. If you don't want it here, I'll get rid of it. How, you know, in, in other words, you surrender your rights to his kingship. If a person turns to the Lord, the veil is stripped off and taken away. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, emancipation from bondage and freedom. That's what God is wanting to do for some of your hearts, for some of the place, the very place of faith. He's wanting to remove a veil so that he can flood the eyes of your heart with so much light today. Because veils will distort, veils will lie, veils will, will alter reality. And he's trying to let you see reality. He's, he's wanting you to see behind the scenes. You know, we've got a lot of stuff taking place in the world. It's easy to get downtrodden. It's easy to get frustrated. You turn on the news, you read the internet, you, you just, you see reports of this and that. Uh, and, and yet Jesus, throughout the gospels, and then also, not only that, some of the prophets talked about when you start seeing these signs, earthquakes, man, we encounter earthquakes like, like never before, wars and rumors of wars, famines, pestilence, or in other words, plagues or pandemics. He said, Jesus said, when you start seeing all these things, look up. Don't get bogged down. Christians don't need to get caught up in political debates. They don't need to get caught up in who's right, who's right, all this, no, Look up all throughout the word of God. It talks about look up to Zion. Why? Because that's where your redemption draweth nigh from, or our hope comes from Zion. Now, what, what they were talking about in the, in, the, in the literal is Mount Zion or the, or the Temple Mount. That's where the, the Ark of the Covenant used to be uh, uh, placed at, at the, the, the Temple of Solomon back in the Holy of Holies. And so that symbolized the presence of God, as long as they could look to the hill of Zion, doesn't matter what they were going through. Hey, you know what? But God's still on his throne. Look up, look up atop of Mount Zion. You can stand, you can be over south of there, south, uh, west, southeast of there, over on Mount Nebo, which is over in Jordan. And on a clear day, you can see all the way to the Temple Mount, across, uh, across the, the, the Jordan River, across Jericho, and see all the way to the temple mount. So no matter where they were, they could see this temple. They knew that's where their hope was because that represented the Ark of the Covenant and, and, and the presence of God. Now, where is the presence of God? In us. So Mount Zion spiritually represents the collective church, the kingdom of God. So look up. Why? Because he has placed you right into his kingdom. That's what, that's what he's trying to say. So he led me to this, and we'll wrap up. Oh, wait, I am not, I'm not done with uh, 2 Corinthians 3 and 12. We're not done with Moses yet. And all of us, as with unveiled faces, because we continue to behold the, and the word of God as in mirrors, the glory of the Lord are constantly being transfigured into his very own image. As the Lord begins to, you, you submit to him, and he starts pulling the, the veil of whatever it is that's keeping you 
down with your faith, keeping your faith back, you're going to start being transfigured constantly into his image in ever-increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is spirit. So I want, I want to take you now to Isaiah 25, because the word that the Lord, that, that the Lord gave me this week was look up, look up to Zion. In other words, look up to his kingdom. Find your hope in what he's doing in his kingdom. I don't know what you're going through today, but find the hope of what's going on. Look what he says he's going to do at Mount Zion, this prophecy, Isaiah 25, starting with verse 6. And on this Mount Zion shall the Lord of hosts make for all peoples. Everyone say all. You know what that means in Hebrew? It means all. It means <laughs> all peoples. So that means that we need to make sure we're loving on everyone, even if we don't agree with them, even if they think that, even if we feel they're not lining up with the word of God. Look, God, the Holy Spirit's the only one that can change anyone. We just need to love people. We, we walk according to his word, but we love people. He's going to make for all peoples a feast of rich things. Man, that's why I love my God, because my God believes in eating. He's always making feasts. In the Old Testament, man, Ain't nothing wrong with eating, right? So for all peoples, a feast of rich things, symbolic of his coronation festival, inaugurating the reign of the Lord on earth in the wake of a background of gloom, judgment, and terror. I don't know what background's been going on in your life. It could be stress. It could be strain. It could be whatever. Gloom, judgment, and terror. God saying, I'm setting up my reign <laughs> right in the midst of all that, and you're all invited to the coronation feast. Look at what he's saying here. A feast of wines on the lees. What is that? What's lees? Howard may know what lees is. It's dead yeast. The, the bottom, wines on the dead yeast. What does that mean? That means the good stuff. If you understand what yeast does in wine, it eats the sugar from the grape and it excretes alcohol. And then it dies and floats to the bottom. So if the wine, if you got a lot of lees on the bottom, that means that there's some good stuff on the top. I know that's not mixing with a lot of people because, man, <laughs> I know that's not mixing with a lot of people, but I'm just telling you what the Word of God said. Wine on the lees. In other words, all right, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it, all right, just for just for some of y'all that, some, is, it a, is it a, will drinking wine send you to hell? There's the pastor being asked that question. You know what, know what my answer is? No, but it may get you there faster. You know, if you're dumb about it. Okay. My philosophy is this, for the, for the word of God. The Bible says, don't be drunk on wine, but be filled with the spirit. So if you want to have wine, have wine. Just make sure wine doesn't have you. Okay. But that's with anything in life, Right. Amen. Thank you, Paul. Paul's my amen corner. <laughs> so, wine, wine on the lees is what he's saying. Now, what this is a symbolic of is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the, the new wine. In other words, wine on the lees. Well, what is that? That's drink that, that's something that could really influence your judgment, right? influence your actions. Well, what do you want influencing your actions? The Holy Spirit. He said, hey, come on up to Zion. 
boy, I got some, you want some wine? I got some wine for you. It's wine on the lead. It's some good stuff. And it will influence your movement. It will influence your judgment. It will influence your, your actions. It's called the new wine, the Holy Spirit. Look what else he says. He says, uh, a feast of wine on the leaves, of fat things full of marrow. What is that? That's rich meat on the bone. That's something about, man, when you cook with meat still on the bone, it gets a lot of flavor and a lot of the marrow and a lot of the, the nutrients that come from the bone itself. There's just something about having some meat on the bone. I remember my dad, right, not too long before he passed, he was, we were, we were going to get together and have a family dinner. My mom had gotten into this habit of, of ordering chicken express. She'd just go get a bunch of chicken express because it was easy, right? And it'd be a bunch of chicken tenders. And finally, he just, after probably two or three family gatherings, he's like, I am not a kid. I don't need chicken tenders. I want some chicken on the bone. Give me some chicken on the bone. Man, these things don't taste right, right? Well, what he's saying is there's something about cooking meat on the bone. In other words, there's some rich word, the meat and the steak of the word of God that's still part of the structure or the bones of his church. He said, man, I got some good spirit. I got some good word. And, and you get to feast on this stuff and it will revolutionize you. He said, of wines on the lees, well refined. And he will destroy. Now notice the first thing that he said, come on to Zion. And the first thing he said is eat. Everybody eat. Everyone partake. Everyone partake. And this is what I'm going to do once you start drinking of the spirit and eating of my word. He says, and he will destroy on this mountain the covering of the face that is cast over the heads of all peoples in mourning and the veil of profound wretchedness. Why is it wretched? Because it lies. Veils will lie that is woven and spread over all nations once that happens, whoo, he's going to swallow up death and victory. He will abolish death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears. Doesn't say that you won't ever cry again. He just said, I'll be there to wipe them. He said, I'll wipe away those tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people will take away from off all the earth, for the Lord has spoken it. It shall be said in that day, behold, our God upon whom we have waited. Now, listen, this is faith talk now. You know, I'm big on faith. Just, just simply believe, not believing in God, but believing God. Look at this, this is faith talk. Behold our God upon whom we have waited and hoped that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand. I believe, I believe with all my heart that there's someone here today who right in the midst of your loss, right in the midst of your disappointment, right in the midst of your struggle, the Lord is saying, look up from where you are. And if you will partake of my spirit and eat of my word, I will, I will strip the lies and the veil, the things I will, I will adjust your seeing so that you can see what's taking place all around you. So you can see truth. You can see what's taking place behind the scenes, mysteries, things that you didn't see before. And at that point, you're going to see what you actually have dominion over because you're going to understand how great and vast and immeasurable I am in you, through you, and as you. And that he's taken the veil, <coughs> excuse me, off of anyone who dares to have faith and believe him. I double dog dare someone to choose to believe in the word of God over everything that you're seeing with your natural eye this week. Amen. Let's all pray.
and we're going to worship together one more time. If you need prayer for anything, if, if maybe this has spoken to you and you say, you know what, I, look, I, I, I want to agree. I want to, I want to agree with you that God is stripping away this veil that he's, he's going to bring revelation into my life. I want you to come over and, and let me pray over you in the corner and I will agree, stand in agreement with you and stand in the gap with you that God is going to be doing something incredible and mighty in your life and that you're going to start seeing what really is real as opposed to what this world is trying to sell you. Father, I love you and I thank you. Lord, I believe that your word goes out and doesn't return void. So Holy Spirit, plant this word into every heart and you minister it accordingly to every individual need, every unique situation that is represented here. I speak freedom. I speak liberty. I speak forgiveness. I speak fresh starts over this congregation. I speak hope. I speak a loosening and breaking of chains that has held folks back. Let there be complete, free liberty and reign of your spirit, your kingdom, and your power represented right in our midst. And we praise you and give you all glory in Jesus' name. Everyone say amen. Let's worship as a family together one more time. If you need prayer, come see me. Let, give me the honor of praying over you.